0: You're listening to the Spruce and Bruce Podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello, and welcome to episode 160 of the Spruce and Bruce Podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Evening, gents. How are we all? Are we all are we all doing well
1: this this fine Monday evening? Not too bad. I can't believe it's November next week. That's a bit terrifying, isn't it? Well, one
2: step closer to um, Christmas bundle boxes.
0: So
1: this is it. wow. <laughs> you see, they're normally, <laughs> normally announced this time of the year, so it can't be too far off.
0: I can't. Uh, is that how you measure it? Um, not not by Christmas Day. It's by Christmas bundles. That's what we're counting down to.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I measure the year. You get a big release in the summer. You get Christmas stuff in Christmas, and then beginning of the year, towards my birthday, I start a new project. So,
0: Andy's looked at his pile of stuff and thought that that needs to be made bigger. I need <laughs> I need more uh, I need more plastic. Uh, Where are those bundle boxes? <laughs> um, so, on this week's show, we're going to be talking about a game system um, that we don't very often get to talk about an awful lot on uh, this podcast, and that is Middle Earth, uh, the Middle Earth strategy battle game, uh, and the reason for that, Andy. How about, how about you tell us the reason for that?
2: Uh, so the reason for that is we were lucky enough to get a copy of the Fall of the Necromancer sent to us for review. And needless to say, I've been pouring over its contents uh, since I got the book. And the one thing I love about these supplements, or these source books that I'm bringing out, is it's so narratively driven. And that, for me, is how I like to play Middle Earth. And going through the uh, scenarios, I mean, obviously we'll talk about this in the main segment a little bit later, but um, going through all of the scenarios, none of the scenarios really require a huge amount of models. Mm.
1: No, and and yeah, luckily, we we'll have seen the news as well, some of those models are up for uh, back in the range again soon, aren't they? It's I'm I I, I I'm quite excited to play into Middle Earth, and I think these little narrative books, and there's another one coming out by the end of the year, uh, yeah, I'll we'll scratch that itch.
0: Yeah, and, and you mentioned, Andy, you like playing Middle-Earth narratively. You could argue that we've kind of all, three, well, all uh, all of us have kind of switched to kind of being slightly into the narrative gaming now uh, rather than um, full-on match play. But, um, mm. but anyway, yeah, we'll be talking about Fall of the Necromancer uh, a little bit later on in the podcast, uh, as well as the brand new Witch King model, which uh, came out alongside the book. Uh, we're also keeping it Middle-Earth in our top three. And we're going to be picking out our top three Middle-earth models. So these could, these could be some of the really classic ones, um, all the way up to the new plastic and resin ones from Forge World. There's there's a, a vast array of characters available, so it should make for an interesting top three. Uh, and we've also got the community top three and a, quite a big. I've not seen Matt's notes on the new segment, but I feel like it's a big one this week. Um, so, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to going through all the latest news as well. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. So, uh, Jay, do you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, cool. So
3: um, I um, actually put down the Black Templars um, for a few days this week because uh, I've been building some Infinity models um, from a new board game uh, that I've got. That There will be a review going up of this board game um, in the next couple of weeks, actually. So this is Infinity, which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast. I, I played Infinity off and on with my brother. I'm a big fan of that system. Um, and um, a few years ago, they launched a Kickstarter uh, for a sort of dungeon crawl board game. Um, so this arrived uh, last week, and I put all the pieces together, um, ready so that we can start playing the game. Um, I've not had a chance to play it properly yet, but we've had a look through the rule book and had a look at all the components and stuff. It, oh, it's really, really cool. It's like a, Infinity is like a sort of, it, it's 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 a skirmish game, sort of in line with like Necromunda or Kill Team even. Mm. Where you have like a, a warband of specialists, individual units from the different factions. It's set sort of in uh, on Earth and in Earth-held sort of um, planets, the human sphere, and these aliens coming in. And um, very cyberpunk uh, anime kind of feel to it. So it, yeah. it's quite a really cool aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, um, this kind
1: of cyberpunk vibe really appeals to me. You kind of yeah, Japanese neon, high tech,
3: yeah. like Beckery. But- yeah that's it yeah so it's really cool and there's lots each of the factions have got a distinctive flavor and you've got these aliens all these alien invaders in there it's a really really nice system if you um if you're interested if if you like necromunda and you like kill team i recommend you you have a look at infinity as well it's very cool and like i said i'll get the review of the uh defiance um game up uh in, in the next week or two um so yeah so i've been putting them models together and dave they're your favorite they're all metal and yeah. i know you love metal and metal it, there is a bit of a uh, i don't know uh, it's a bit of an effort sometimes to put metal models together, and these metal models are very, very small and detailed, so they take extra effort. Um, so I had to put the back Templars down, but then I have picked them back up again. So I am, I am back on the back Templars, and I'm still on the black highlighting stage. So there's a lot of models to highlight, and a lot of these highlights to apply. Um, I'm hoping that once these highlights are done, though, that's the bulk of the sort of hard work done, and then it's really fun detail work then. So yeah, so you know, I suspect next week I'll have a similar update for you. Um, I've got a Redemptive Dreadnought sitting in front of me that I built. I have built a couple of Redemptive Dreadnoughts over the years, and um, I've tried to build this one. I I always tend to use the same sort of pose because I just I don't know I just that's what I time and build with the Dreadnought. So I've tried to do a bit of a different pose with this one because he's a Black Templars Dreadnought. I wanted it to look like he was sort of marching forward or wading into like a big horde of orcs or something instead of just sitting back firing his cannon. Um, so we'll see when he's
0: um when he's got some paint on him over if I managed to achieve that or not. So, yeah, so that's me. Excellent. Um, I've been, like you really, carrying on with um, a project that I've been doing for a little while now. Um, I've finally finished my Void Dragon for my Necrons. Uh, Very happy with how he's turned out. Um, I can't wait to use him. I'm actually going to get to use him tomorrow because I believe we've got a practice game, uh, Jay, at the Unicorns Club night for um, the upcoming tournament. So uh, he's going to get his first run out uh, against i believe you're bringing the ultramarines tomorrow yes yeah, so the, the um I, I i was planning to take the black templars to the tournament
3: but um i don't think they're going to be ready Um so i think instead what i'm going to do is um take the ultramarines which i've not used actually at a tournament before um and i've spent a lot of time um building and painting up that collection over the years but i've only ever used it really on the stream so uh yeah so will it be interesting to see um how they um how they're matched
0: against the void dragon excellent um so yeah he's he's now completely finished uh and i've also um started and finished um a classic necron overlord he was a, a fine cast one uh with a resurrection orb i really wanted to take um with me to this tournament uh, a necron overlord with the resurrection orb as much as i love the one that came in indomitus it's my least favorite loadout um so uh I, I paid him up really happy with how he's turned out um Considering he had to be stripped and stuff and had to be rebased yeah, and things. you put like a big base on him, haven't you? To make him sort of a bit more of a,
3: like a profile worthy of that sort of model. Yeah.
0: Well, he's now, he's now just a tiny bit shorter than the, um, the Chronomancer. Uh, and so he, he, he you know, he's, he looks quite imposing now. So we're uh, really happy with how he's turned out. I'm really looking forward to using them tomorrow and what will only be like my third or fourth game of the deck runs. So, um, that should be really fun. Um, other than that, I've been kind of planning out how I'm going to build the, the rest of my Death Watch. Um, and, and that's about it for, um, for hobby, I think. Um, Matt, what have you been up to?
1: So I've been working on the Squig Hogs my hawks. We've only got <clears throat> a couple of weeks, haven't we, until the tournament?
3: Yes. Yeah, yeah, so ideally,
1: this coming week, get the Squig Hog Boys done, and then that gives me another week just to get 20 Orc uh, Beast Snaggers done. So I should be able to do that. Um Obviously, they're a bit more complex. I think you've got the squigs to paint and then the riders. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're really nice models. Really, really nice models. And I also, we, alongside the um, Necromancer supplement for Lord of the Rings, we also got the new Plastic Witch King and the uh, the new Plastic Ruins, which look incredible. I've built and painted the Witch King. I mean, w- w- Nazgul aren't the hardest to paint, but it's really, really nice, and there's surprisingly a lot of detail considering it is essentially an invisible guy in robes, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, really, really cool model. So, and I'm kind of tempted to do a Nazgul force of some flavour for Middle Earth.
0: Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds good. I'd would lo- love to see you with a Wraith kind of army. i would be ace, really, really ace. Um, Andy, what have you been up to?
2: Um, so, obviously, I've been reading the Full of a Necromancer book, um, which is, in short, amazing and really, really good. Um, in terms of painting and stuff, um, it's been a bit of a quiet one. Um, I've sprayed up uh, the last of my spike kits, so I've got 10 craft Founders and a Dankhold Trogoff uh, sprayed up now. So um, I'm hoping to get some paint on them in the next couple of weeks and try and get them done. Um, I've also sprayed up uh, the last of the Slanesh demons that I got in the Wrath and Rapture boxer. I think that came out uh, a long time ago now. Um, yeah. So I had the um, Inferno and Rapturous, uh Five Seekers and Three Fiends. So I've sprayed them all up, but uh, just waiting to get painted. Um, and then the rest of the hobby this week has been um, a bit more building. Um, I think on last week's show, I, I mentioned that I built uh some Vindictors from the Dominion box set, so I've just been continuing that. Um about the other five Vindictors, the Praetors and the Annihilators. So again they're sort of uh, sat in a really useful storage box now waiting to um waiting to get paint on them. But I haven't quite decided what Storm host I want to go for. Um obviously with um all the Stormcast stuff finally going up for pre-order with the exception of the dragons. Um all of the Stormcasts are painted like Hammers of Sigmar and a lot of the characters like the special characters now in the Stormcast book are all painted like Hammers of Sigmar as well Um, and back when Age of Sigmar first came out my first army was Stormcast and I did um, Hammers of Sigmar but I this was back in the day when I rushed my painting to get stuff done for events and now I'm i'm not in that position i can just gradually paint stuff up over time so i'm kind of thinking i might just do a hammers of sigma army and just carry it on but this yeah. time i can spend a bit more time painting it up and doing stuff like that so
3: you could always um <laughs> invert the color scheme so they'd still be hammers of sigma i'll use the same free like the gold the red and the blue but mix the you know swap it like blue armor with gold shoulder pads or something like that if you wanted to do something a little bit different, but keep them as hammers as Sigma.
2: Yeah, I think they'd look too much like ultramarines. Yeah, but I mean, that's not a bad thing, really. Well, <laughs> I'd, I'd be more tempted to paint them like word bearers, to be honest with you. That is a bad thing.
0: <laughs>
2: but Yeah, that's it for me. Just a bit of building and some uh, priming for me.
0: Excellent stuff. Uh, That brings our beginning part of the podcast to a close, but we've got plenty to get through. So we're going to take a pause and come back with this week's news. So what do we have in
1: this week's news, Matt? So we have got a bit of a bumper packed uh, weekend of pre-orders coming on, on Warhammer Day on Saturday. And being Warhammer Day, first of all, we've got two exclusive figures. Uh, One of them is a Web Store exclusive, um, primaris lieutenant with storm shield looks very similar to the dude <coughs> in um in what's the box called? Indomitus. That. indomitus that's the one um so i'm not i'm not super keen on this one i think if he looked a bit different he'd be more likely to be added to the collection do you know, i think it's just too me. similar
3: yeah do you know what annoys me like i mean i get the thing they do primaris lieutenants they do so many varieties of primaris lieutenant and there'll be someone out there who enjoys collecting primary lieutenants but there's so many cool space marine characters in the army now that they could easily do different versions of, say, the, um, is it the Judica? Uh, do you know the, the new executioner model? Where yeah. There's only one model of that that you can get in Domitus. The Primaris Apothecary or um Panabera,
1: ancient ancient. yeah. yeah. Use some different versions of that? I mean, I don't know. there have done, done a couple of chaplains and librarians as limited editions, I suppose, in fairness, over the last they year. They have, yeah.
3: They have, yeah. But,
1: and yeah I, I think with this guy just being so similar to an existing one, if he was, I don't know, a, a bit different, Thunderhammer or something, I don't know, something yeah. a bit different, it'd be cool. So I'm going to pass on that one. However, we have got Vampire Lord, Anister Malorkian, who looks really scary and has an alternate build that we saw revealed in the week with a baby dragon? Mm-hmm.
3: To go with uh, the, you yeah. me be the Inquisitor. Do you have the Inquisitor with the baby uh, dragon.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean this is a gorgeous model.
0: I am. Um, I'm tempted to to get this myself, even though I don't have a Soul Blade grave Lord's army yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's always how it starts, that's always how it starts. But we have got some pre-orders as well as those special models. So I think those models are only available on the day. I think it's, they're definitely available online for stores. It'll probably be a, you know...
0: For, for a week, 7th sem- sem- yeah. of November they, they, y- is your last chance.
1: Yeah, the Vampire you can currently order through third-party sites as well, so Element you can get it 20% off. Right. For pre-orders, we have got Kill Team Chownath. So this is the first expansion to Kill Team and pits the Adeptus sororitas versus the Tau Empire. Now, the sisters get new novitiates, who are essentially trainee sisters of battle, and they have close combat options, they have ranged options. They're they're pretty cool, and I believe these are going to be a new troops choice for the sisters in 40k as well. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how these look, because, um I mean, the sisters are a really cool range, and this just adds another little... More options for about your, your kind of like troops choices, doesn't it? They are facing off against the Tau. Um, it's an is the existing Pathfinder kit with an upgrade sprue. So that's essentially how the Deathcore Krieg worked in Kill Team. Um, they had an extra sprue with all the extra funky stuff to build your different operatives. And back when when we reviewed Kill Team, we found in the compendium some of the non. Ork Commandos and non Deathcore Greek factions were lacking a little bit, just in the variety of different unit options you can take. So with this new Pathfinder kit, having this upgrade, sprue, you are basically going to be able able to build like 10 different guys with different roles, which makes it a lot more fun for Games of Kill Team. Um, I know you've got a tower on me, haven't you, Jay? So I think you're quite excited to see in this uh, this new sprue. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I am. Um, I think
3: the... There's enough, about what we've seen, there's enough right on that upgrade pack to make the Pathfinders really cool. Some different weapon options, some different helmets, some different pieces of war game and stuff. Um, and the Pathfinder sprue itself, I think, is already quite nice. So I don't think it really needed a new Pathfinder model. Um, it would have been nice to see a new Tau unit, like the Sisters of Battle got the Novish yet, which is a new Sister of Battle unit. It would have been nice to see a new Tau, you know, maybe a, a, an infiltration cadre type or maybe some different crew or another xenos race yeah. or something but, I but, mean, maybe but, that's you know. the
1: compromise in these boxes because technically i uh, little birdie tells me that the death core of Krieg were meant to be released a long time ago and technically it was a new walk commando sprue and an upgrade sprue for the death core and i wonder if this is something we'll see in each of these boxes so a new kit and then an old kit given a few new options which isn't a bad thing necessarily no, I don't
3: think it's a bad thing, and the, the the fact that we're getting another box so soon means that, you know, we're going to see a lot of new, if they, if they follow that pattern, we're going to see a lot of new units come out for Warhammer 40k. And we've often talked about how it would be cool if they just expanded codexes with a new unit every now and then, rather than a mm. full-blown release every time, which is good, so,
1: yeah. So this box clocks in at £105, it contains both those uh, new kill teams, it also has the full rule book. It has a supplement in there with the Chalnath story. And if it's anything like the um, Octarius one, it'll have, you know, scenarios and stuff based around that. And it also comes with a load of scenery and, and a board. I know you've been keen to put together a, like a small scale 40k board, haven't you, Dave?
0: Absolutely, I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, these
1: these boxes are great for that. So, yeah, so that looks good. 105, I mean, I think that's the same as Octarius, and arguably it contains less stuff because you haven't got the templates that have in there. But I still think that looks a pretty good box myself. Um, so, yeah, and then alongside this, we've also got Tau and Adeptus Sororitas Dice. Games which, we're really nailing it with the dice at the minute, aren't they? There's yeah. uh, all sorts coming out for them. They are retailing at £20 each, which, again, isn't too bad. Now, if you prefer your Warfare on the titanic scale we have got adeptus uh, we have got adeptus titanicus traitor legios so this is the sister companion to the loyalist legios book and that in theory should round up all the adeptus titanicus releases for the heresy era which is exciting because the question mark then is where do they go following this do they go epic do they keep titanicus but go more into the present era, where you can include Gargants and Phantoms and stuff. I yeah. kind of hope that's the direction they go, but I wouldn't object to merging in the Aeronautica stuff and the the, Heres- uh, the Titanica stuff, add in some um, epic-scale space marines and do Horus Heresy epic would also be pretty epic. <laughs> um, so the trick to lead you is definitely one that I've got my eye on because it's got the rules for the Corrupted Titans and obviously rules for all the Traitor Legions. Unfortunately, it seems that we're not getting a Corrupted Titan kit. I mean, honestly, I guess that's something you can easily convert yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Demon bits, green stuff. I guess by nature of chaos, a chaos Titan kit wouldn't be chaotic enough. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, £30 and getting released alongside the Warmaster Iconoclast, which is, if, if you want the biggest possible titan you can field marching up the battlefield and punching a warlord to death, that is the titan to go for. Mm-hmm. No idea how competitive this thing is going to be. I mean, it's a massive old titan, so you're probably not going to take it down with shooting. It's probably quite slow, though, so uh, you might want to overload your reactor to get it into close combat with things. Because if it does punch something, whatever it punches is going to die. <laughs> but, yeah, punch arguably... it to the
0: side of the battlefield.
1: Arguably, you can do the same with a gun and not have to get close. Not as cool on that. Not as cool. Not as cool, no. That is it. It is absolute overkill with, what is it, 800 points worth of Titan punching something in the face because it's got no guns itself. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then there's also transfers coming out for the Traitor Legions as well. So these have come out like sporadically over the years. Um, I would recommend if you are doing a Traitor Legion and you want the transfers, order them while you get the chance because. They are a bit hard to get hold of afterwards, aren't they? So we've also got some releases for Aeronorsica Imperialis in the form of the very first plastic Thunderhawk gunship. It is a teeny tiny one, but it is still a plastic Thunderhawk and that's all that counts. I am super excited to build one of these. I, uh, when, I, when i played epic back in the day there's a lot of epic love in this podcast today isn't there when i played epic back in the day i had the old um at the time it was the only uh the hawk gunship and loved it so much so yeah looking to uh for nostalgia purposes needing to get one of these that is also getting released alongside the fire raptors as well again another nice uh forge wall kit for 40k getting an aeronautica version now both of those kits are 26 pounds each which I don't think is bad at all for the Thunderhawk. Yeah, because it's quite
0: a chunky model, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, that's pretty cool. I, I, I've i got a feeling I may end up doing a Sons of Horus Aeronautica force. Oh, uh, interesting. But hoping that one day that we get epic, Across at least over. I can do a little, a little wing of uh, Sons of Horus ships, because they've got to be in heresy colours, haven't they? Why not? Uh, we've also, we've also, more releases guys, we've also got a load from Citadel colour. So, Have you ever tried to attach a Mega gargan to a painting handle? (laughs) I can't say I have. (laughs) No, neither have I. And you know what? I'm not sure that I still would. However, the option is now available for the painting handle XL. It is big enough to hold all sorts, from school pick destroyers to, yes, it can hold a Mega gargan. My concern with this is that it's going to be very top heavy and maybe not the stablest thing in the world. No, I don't know if I'd trust it. I mean, if you're painting a Mega Gargan, you could probably just hold the base, maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it's the option's there. I know some people swear by these things. Um, but, yeah, if you want your Bet Monsters on a painting handle, then you now have the option. They've also got the uh, the pet assembly stand coming back as well. They had this last Christmas, and essentially it's got little clips that let you hold things in position or hold sub-assemblies Again, not something I'd use myself, but it is handy. Um, speaking of stuff like the 40k Fire Raptor, that's definitely a contender for having to have things clipped together while you're waiting for it to dry, because it's a bit of a nightmare to build, and there are a few fiddly kits like that. So I think a lot of people will be pleased that this assembly stand is uh, available. It is also compatible with the XL painting handle, so you can have your Mega Gargan on a... Uh, painting handle with the parts held so it glues right all the accessories in one go. Excellent. Now there's a strange there's a strange release we've got next. The sub-assembly holder. This is a, a set of plastic nubs that you can glue plastic components to so you can paint that sub-assembly. Okay, that's, that's, that's pretty good, but you can get much the same effect by getting a cork and gluing it to the cork or getting a paint pot putting a bit of blue tack on and, and sticking it to that i'm i'm, I'm not sure who this sub-assembly holder is aimed at i know you you were saying that you probably picked one up dave
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm terrible at not being very creative for for years i know both yourself matt and and jay and, and probably you andy have got a big wooden stick with loads of blue tack on it that you've been spraying models for years well not dave dave has been hand spraying models since <laughs> however long until the the citadel uh painting stick came out uh and then i got one and now i spray stuff in batches um so <laughs> i know i'm a sucker really for uh, official things but that's that's what's tempted me by by this i, I guess i yeah, think so... i'm gonna wait for the um for battle tome accessories to come out to be
3: fair before i pick anything up
1: can't be yeah. far off now can it I can't be far off now no um, yeah, it just seems not, one. Well, it just seems not, well, you can get much the same by sticking a piece to a base or a cork, but I'm sure some people use it. The advantage of this, it is kind of like fluted. So the idea is that you, you glue the components on, paint it, and then you can snip it. And then because you've got a clean cut, you can then attach it to the model correctly. That is an advantage, I guess, over gluing it to a uh, cork, because super glue, obviously, once you've got so many layers of glue on things, it gets hard to stick, doesn't it? So. Yeah, that is a random thing. I'm interested how much that is going to cost, though.
3: I think the perfect Christmas gift, stocking fillers, these kind of things. So it's yeah, it's no coincidence. It's this time of year they they've been released.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, Dave, you mentioned the uh, the Citadel Spray Stick. Well, we now have the all new 360 Citadel Spray Stick. Um, I don't know if any details on this, but apparently it it rotates, so you get full 360 degree coverage. Now, yeah. arguably, a stick covered in blue tack also gives you 360 degree <laughs> coverage, because not only can you hold it one way up, you can hold it the other way up and every variation in between.
2: See, I, I'm, I'm like Dave. I, I bought the, um, I suppose, the current one, the previous one. And the only thing I found missing with it was if you had two handles for it, then there'd be no issue. But now that we're doing this 360, what uh, provided that the price isn't extremely high, I think I'd pick up one of these just for the ease of being able to move your models around and spray every angle with with yes. the same hand. So and, and
1: arguably this this does have something that a, a spray stick doesn't because it is there's like a central wheel with spokes coming off it and then they turn round so you can hold it like you say one handed. And be able to get to everything without having to do, yeah, holding it in a funky way or holding it from the other side. Um, so yeah, potentially looks, potentially looks pretty good. Um, if you are into that sort of thing. Now from Forge World, I know Jay likes this model. We've got Remus Ventanus, the savior of calf. Oh, yeah. continuing for the Horus Heresy Love with both the helmeted and helmetless version is very similar to the limited edition standard bearer that they did as a store yeah.
3: exclusive Yes, yeah, you're right I think I, I think it's just, like you say, the Horus Heresy range, if you look at the models they're releasing now for the Horus Heresy compared to those earlier models, they're much crisper I think in their detailing and I think if you compare this guy to that limited edition um, guy that you were talking of before I, I think you can see the improvements they've made in the sculpting over the years um not that saying that the limited edition model wasn't a bad model but this model's fantastic
1: yeah a voice in my ear tells me we have got the prices of those citadel accessories as well so drum roll we've got the citadel painting handle excel is 11 pounds that's not too bad the assembly stand with the little clips is 16 pounds the new spray stick is 14 pounds that's not too bad i don't think
2: no i think i'll probably pick one up for that yeah me too
1: and your little your little clips to stick heads to at £8. I think that's a bit on the pricey side myself. But like you say, it's a good stocking fella one.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also do worry as well, I mean, I don't know, about the green credentials of that sort of thing. It seems like a lot of plastic waste for that little thing that you just snip the plastic bits off. and. Like, I mean, can you reuse them, do you think? I don't know. You probably
1: can. You probably can. You're just clipping the very top of it off. Yeah. Once the nub's gone down too low, then you can replace it. Yeah, so, like, nice. one pack would last you forever, basically
3: that's okay then yeah
1: so yeah um now as we'll see in the main segment there's a lot of models uh, featured in the narrative scenarios of the um the fall of the necromancer book majority of those possibly all of those are now going to be in the main range from next week as well so you've got the awesome white council set that came out when the hobbit films were released you've got Elves of all description, all sorts of old elves that you've been able to buy for ages, the uh, Castellans of gold gold, 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 the Castellans of Dol Goldor. Um and you've got the spiders and various creepy crawlies. So, from next week, you should be able to order everything that you need for your narrative scenarios, Andy.
2: Yeah, yeah, literally <laughs> everything, all the models that were missing from the scenarios have been filled in now with these new i don't want to say new releases but re-released models
3: yeah so, so yeah oh, I, I did uh, i did forget actually an update on the um hobby update i did um, pick up some uh, new um uh, rivendell elves actually for my um uh lord of the rings elves army so that the, the elrond's uh, twin sons uh, the armored versions of them i i had a big um over the weekend a big sort out of my Lord of the Rings stuff as well, and uh, put together like the models that I had in the spruce still, and um, collected all my pieces together, iron up the sort of Rivendell White Council route as well as potential adversary. Then I guess to, to your guys' um, forces of evil.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It should be fun. Uh, Warhammer Plus have got some new bits coming this week. We have got an Angels of Death kill team narrative battle based on the Angels of Death series. That's a really cool thing.
3: Oh, Blood Angels.
1: Yeah, versus Gene Seel Corpse, I imagine. Um, we've also got Lawmaster on the Gash. We've got um, some 2017 White Dwarfs, the God Beast supplement, where we first learn about um, Bayamat, where Archeon tried to uh, kind of corrupt him to chaos. And Astartes joins the... Uh, suite of animations as well i know jay you've been a big um champion of Astartes. i've not watched it yet but if it's on warhammer plus i might have to actually give it a watch
3: you will not be disappointed
1: so that is that is all the pre-orders but you know what guys it is nearly christmas and available in stores right now are some special christmas things so first of all we have got a a festive squig Apparently that's a thing. It's a very crazed looking squig with antlers and baubles and bells and it is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's available in stores now. By the time this podcast goes out, I imagine a lot of these will have been taken to a new home from the shelves because I can see this one being super popular for Christmas.
0: Oh, yeah. He's he's amazing. He's almost
1: as good as a nerglink. Yes, I think he's better than Erglin, just because of the manic look on his face. <laughs> uh, there's also some um, ultramarine and chaos Christmas stockings as well. Ooh. So if you want to hang a stocking up for Corn to deliver some scores to, to you, or Gulliman to deliver, I don't know, a book, then, um, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> so You yeah, deliver also, the
3: hope of mankind.
1: The hope of mankind <laughs> in your Christmas stocking, yeah, exactly. Um, but on Saturday, we have got Warhammer Day coming, and the main event of this is at 1 pm. There's going to be a Warhammer preview where basically they're going to show off everything that's coming for the rest of the year and a few teasers into the future as well. So, I've got a feeling this is going to be a big, big show. They haven't shown a lot of what's coming, but they have listed the systems. So, Warhammer 40,000 is covered, presumably the next two Codexes that are coming after the Black Templars. So we assume custodies and the Cults, but that may or may not be true. We've also got Warhammer Age of Sigmar featured again because presumably the next um, battle term isn't too far off. Andy really hopes it's Nurgle. He's desperate to write this Nurgle review. <laughs> um, we've also got yeah. Blood Bowl. Hopefully Blood Bowl, we see a new team. Um, obviously we've got the Corn team come in. If you think back to last year, we did get a couple of teams in in quick succession because of the new edition, but then nothing for a whole year. So I hope it's not like an annual Blood Bowl release, but you get a couple of teams in quick succession. I think I'd rather them scattered throughout the year personally, but I'm not going to complain if we do get another team by by Christmas. We also have Warcry, um, Red Harvest is it called the new starter box for that. So we'll see a bit more of that. We've seen a few little trailers and there seems to be some cool scenery in the background, maybe like modular Spire, which would be cool. Warhammer Underworlds is also in here. Word on the grapevine is uh ogre pirates. Mm. Who knows? Who knows if that is true, but that is what I've heard. Uh oh. but then we'd also heard vampires, hadn't we? When um back in the back in the um
3: before the um, um soul bite came out yeah,
1: exactly yeah so who knows but that'd be really cool and then the final thing on this poster is the horus heresy now that can only be the new heresy starter box that we saw like six months ago leaked isn't it
3: oh yes exciting times
1: so you know, hopefully the grand unveiling and see because we are only seeing some like super blurry pictures as well, we haven't seen any decent shots of this pl- presumably plastic Spartan, plastic more modular looking contemporary lots of cool stuff in this if that is true
0: Yeah, I, I, th- this is going to sound really really mean guys, but if it's not that starter box, I'm sorry but I am going to laugh, because I know how much you two in particular are desperate for this um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Yeah, I only
1: I can only hope that it is. So, but they did show off a few things that we might see expanded on. So, for Blood Bowl, they showed off a new Crocs of Gore, which looks amazing. Now, I've said a few times on the last yeah. few shows that I'd love to see um, some of the older kits, read them for Age of Sigmar, because this Crocs of Gore looks so cool, doesn't he? How 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 much
3: longer can Games Workshop get away with releasing amazing Seraph models? That can't be used in the Seraphon army. I don't know how much <laughs> longer they can get away with that.
1: Listen, either Warhammer Underworld and Blood Bowl with entirely new Seraphon ranges, yeah. will both blow the like, out of Sigma out of the wall.
3: It's like if they released a load of Craftworld World Eldar, you know, for like, I don't know, some, some board game or something. You're like,
1: no! <laughs> so yeah, I really, really like this guy. We also saw a new um, cult member, I guess, for Warcry Red Harvest. The um, Slaughterborn. So this is a spiritual successor of the original Marauders. Um, obviously, they're quite an old kit now. This guy still has those vibes. He's carrying three heads, not just one, three heads this guy is carrying around with him and a massive sword. He, he is your classic quintessential chaos cultist and he looks a bit of a beast. With all the the War Cry releases you can do a really nice slave to darkness army now
2: yeah it almost feels like they're they're gearing up to a much bigger release don't they because mm. like you said the, the marauder models are, are quite old now i I think they're the same models from when i got into a hobby like almost 20 years ago now so it's yeah it's kind of due for an update and i think this similar to like how we see with kill team where they do upgrade sprues for existing kits Maybe we're seeing Warcry warbands that will then get released and you've got several different types, haven't you?
1: I I think arguably the Marauder profile is now replaced with all these different Warcry warbands because that kind of feels right that you'd have a Chaos Lord and then all these various representatives from different tribes come in with him. Mm. And obviously the battle line you have now as well. So hopefully that's a sign that maybe a new Slaves of Darkness book isn't too far away as well so yeah and they're facing off against the uh the spider guys i forget what they're called in the uh the new starter box so hopefully on saturday we see a little bit more about that but for now that is all the news that we've got
0: so quite a bit there i did promise that i'm looking forward to us chatting about the uh warhammer day reveals next week i've got a feeling it's going to be an epic show uh we are going to take some time to travel to middle earth in our next segment so uh get yourself uh, a, a pint of something and uh yeah comes in Join pints us. It is time to delve into Middle Earth, a game system which has been around for some years now. But just recently, has been getting lots of fantastic additional support from Games Workshop. Uh, and so it continues with the latest supplement, The Fall of the Necromancer. Now, Andy has very kindly done us a written review over on spruceandbruce.com. Uh, and I believe, Andy, you're going to take us through the, the, the best bits of the book right now here on the podcast
2: yeah yeah um the best bits wow that's uh that's quite difficult because there's a lot of good stuff in there um <laughs> so with a lot of the source books this this follows the same sort of format as we've seen with the other middle earth source books you've got narrative play scenarios you've got a link campaign where you can play through all of the scenarios but depending on who wins and who loses the next scenario they get a buff um, which is pretty cool we get uh, a brief history of the necromancer who obviously this whole supplement book kind of features around the necromancer so we get a brief history of him um, and then we get army lists legendary legions and there's actually some painting and modeling which um, i don't think we've seen in any of the previous books I think so,
1: so the rohan book did have a guide for painting the rohan village But there's quite a lot of painting stuff in this book, isn't there, Andy?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially like obviously it features around um, the scenery pieces, like the dolgor dur terrain, which again is absolutely breathtaking. Um, And then we get a, I think it's about a twelve-stage step of how to paint the necromancer, like how they've painted him, which is absolutely breathtaking. My only criticism of this stage. For me personally is you need an airbrush to do some of the stages on them but oh, apart wow. from that, like like going through it you could probably get to stage six which is obviously about halfway through and i think it looks phenomenal as it is so it's kind of how far do you want to take it do you need that airbrush probably not but um yeah the, the fact that we've got a painting guide in there is pretty good um but yeah, the book starts off with the um, the history of the necromancer, of which there's only two pages. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, we've hopefully all watched the Middle Earth films and the Hobbit films. And we kind of we know who Sauron is. Don't we? we know who the necromancer is. But this sort of just goes into a bit of a brief time, explains what he did after or um, cut the ring off his finger at the Battle of uh, the Five Armies. Um, and basically, whoa, 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 whoa! I know spoilers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Battle of the Last Alliance.
2: Oh I'm sorry. Battle
3: of the last Alliance. Um, we've, got, we've got some Lord of the Rings nerds listening here. I mean, <laughs> and, and chiefly me, but you
2: know. Dave, could you edit that part?
0: <laughs> i am just that is
2: day in. But the five armies—that's a Hobbit, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah. yeah.
0: I
2: corrected myself. Okay, but Grand Last Alliance. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then we've got the um, how the necromancer founded Dol Godur, um why he founded it, that sort of stuff. And then obviously we get um, sort of a lead up, you know, the growing darkness. It's taken over Mirkwood, this sort of stuff, um, all the way up until um, when Gandalf goes to Dolgoda to confront the necromancer. And eventually, obviously, when the White Council turn up and and again, spoilers, banish the spirit of saron back to the back to mordor so
1: i mean they do a great job at it do you like spoilers you know he comes yeah, back
2: yeah. But, yeah i mean like i said the, the, the narrative of of the book is short but it it it's really good it's really to a point um and then the most the majority of this book is built into the scenarios and then sort of like the army list and the legendary legions. so i'll talk briefly about the scenarios of which there are 13 scenarios in this book. Now, in a review, um, I went through all of the scenarios and looked at the participants and stuff like that. The largest models that you need for one army is 26 models. And I think there's a scenario where you need two orc captains and 24 orcs. And that's it.
1: So It's not a massive, it's not a massive requirement, is it? I filmed the, the video, kind of look through this book, and I, I suggested that if a gaming group wanted to play through this scenario, it wouldn't be a massive investment from each player to pick up all the models that you need to do this entire story? That's
2: really no, cool. I mean, the the only big investment I think is going to be in this book is going to be with the Forge World Ring Race, which I think are about £104, roughly, something along those lines. But that is literally the, like the biggest investment for it. Um, now, with the 13 scenarios, there's obviously just like a few... Filler scenarios, like the first scenario is called the founding of Dol Godur, It's basically the necromancer, a small group of orcs, and they basically are trying to wipe out some woodsmen who are living in what is called the Greenwood at the time. But it eventually becomes Mirkwood. Um And so, you know, it's a nice little scenario. But is it essential to the story? You know, if we went down to Warhammer World to play a weekend of gaming, would we play the scenario? Maybe not. But if you want to play through all the scenarios, um, then, yeah, it looks like it's a nice, simple scenario to play. Um, there are some in here. I say some. There's quite a lot in here that are really good fun. Um, just flicking to them. There is Flight to the East. So this is basically Gandalf going through the ruins of Dol trying to find Saruman. Uh, not Saruman, sorry. Sauron. There you go. Um, and basically, you play on a four by four foot board. The evil has six counters on the left hand side of the board and the good side has Gandalf and he deploys on the right hand side. And basically, the aim of this scenario is one of these counters represents the spirit of the necromancer, the spirit of Sauron. And he's basically trying to get across the board without being discovered. And if a good player playing is Gandalf discovers Sauron he wins this scenario and if Sauron gets across the board he wins it so again that's like a really good scenario um there's a few scenarios in here with um Legolas and Toriel and some Mirkwood um elves just again it, it it's basically just going into the fact that you know the forces of evil are a threat in Mirkwood and the elves can't ignore them and bringing the elves into it, just to fill out some of the scenarios. Then we get, like, um, I'm going to butcher this name, Attack on Rose Gobel, which is Radagast's home in Morkwood. And um, there's a scenario where there's basically his home in the middle of the board, and then six scenarios in almost a clock shape around the, the side of the house. And basically, each of these objectives represent a woodland creature, that Radagast has to go and rescue. And the scenario is basically he has to go around, rescue the the um, woodland creatures and then get back to the house alive. Um, but again, the participants for the scenario is Radagast the Brown for the Force of the Good and four Mirkwood Spiders for the Evil Force, and that's it. So that's five models. You know, it's nice and easy, and it's played on a two by two footboard. Um, but my absolute favourite with the exception of what I imagine is going to be the big climactic one between the White Council and uh, Sauron and his race, is the exploration of Dol Gordur and so in this scenario you have Radagast with his faithful Sebastian <laughs> against the Witch King of Angmar and this is basically when Radagast goes to Dol Gordur gets attacked by the ringwaves and he takes the Morgul blade back with him to show the White Council and show Gandalf That, you know, the darkness has returned and all this sort of stuff. And basically, in this scenario, Radagast is trying to discover, um, uh, he's trying to discover proof of the Dark Lord's return. And so, again, there's six, um, objectives on the board. And at the beginning of the game, the Witch King player randomly rolls a dice, and that's where the Witch King is. So you might. Turn up to one of his objectives, try to find some um, evidence of a doctor's turn, and all of a sudden, the Witch King pops out and attacks you. Hmm. So again, there's like there's stuff in there. You know, if you defeat the Witch King, you automatically find the evidence, but then the Witch King can keep coming back and back and back. And basically, it's radigas has to get to his objectives, find the evidence, and then get back off the board alive, which again sounds like a really cool scenario um there's one thing i will mention in here there's a scenario called Frain the broken and this is basically trying to find frayne which i believe is foreign's oh yeah grandad in the
3: extended edition of the films yeah yes you, yes you see right at the beginning of the film but then he's sort of referenced yeah he's like yeah he's foreign's dad isn't he so
2: yeah so in this scenario it's actually mentioned in the designer's note that the scenario was originally created as a fan-made scenario by Damien O'Brien and Tom Harrison when the extended edition Battle of Five Armies came out. So we've actually put in a fan made scenario and just put it in the book. But we've given, you know, they've given the. um, um, uh, but, but, you know, Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they've given the praise to the people. Um, and then obviously there's the capture of the Grey Wizard. You know, we've seen this from the films. Um there's uh Radagast on his sleigh, and again he's he's um basically trying to get from one side of a board to the other, and there's a bunch of spiders in the way. Um and then we get the big climactic battle right at the end, the fall of a necromancer, where the white council have to turn up and save Gandalf. Um so again, going through them all, like I said, there's there's probably Six scenarios that are almost feels like filler scenarios. They're the ones with that require a large amount of models, with just sort of like generic captains and and warriors and stuff. But there's a lot of snows in here which are obviously from the films. They're from the you know the, the books and the films and stuff. Um, and then we get the uh, linked campaign. So the linked campaign basically just adds. A little bit more nothing like massive just a little bit more um, to spruce up your games you know if you're going down to I don't know let's say Warhammer World and you go down for three days and you play through all of the scenarios and it's pretty cool just to you know throw in a little bit of gimmick Um but basically in the first scenario um, if the good side wins then going into the second scenario Basically, only three elves need to escape the board. It basically makes the victory conditions easier in the second game for them. Um, but these um, obviously these bonuses only last for the next game. So in the second scenario, if the evil player wins, um, then in the third one, um, they can do they can do their victory condition a turn earlier, for example. So again, it's just a nice little nice little flavor, but. Um, I think one of the the um oh God, what was it? The quest of a ring bearer book there was um you know uh, your might points and your fake points whenever you use them that carried on uh, into every scenario, and then there was certain rest points where they would regain all those. There's nothing like that in this. It is literally just you go into the next scenario and depending on who in the previous one, you get a slight buff. Which is great, yeah. like, nice. Those,
1: those fate and might points are so important in the games of Middle earth as well,
2: yeah. And with the quest for Ringbearer book, there was a lot more scenarios in there where, uh, like, the um, again, I'm going to butcher the name the mountain pass of um, when they're going up the hill mountain yeah. towards Murray, I can't remember what it's called, and the snow coming down was like a, a small scenario in that. Again, you're not using mic points or fake points or anything like that. So um, but yeah, it was nice to see that. And then we jump into the army section of which I believe there are five different armies. Um, Yeah, five different armies. So we get the White Council, which, again, you know, is is great. You know, it's it's the forces that oppose the, the necromancer. So obviously they're going to be in it. We get. For every army, we get a bit of a brief um, background into them, you know, who they are, what they're doing, that sort of stuff. Then we get the army composition, which basically tells you, you know, the the models that you can put into this army. You get the additional rules, um, which again, some of them are quite big, some of them just make your army playable, like the Welk Council, for example. Um, You can only include a single warband um and, and basically it just makes the army playable and then you get an army bonus um which again just adds little things to the army and um, you get a brief rundown on the strengths and the weaknesses of those armies and then you get a rundown of the key models so again for the white council we've got Saramanda White and Gladrial Lady of Light I mean to be fair with the white council it lists pretty much four out of the five members so um uh, but yeah so we get the white council we get radagast alliance so at the end of the battle of the five armies i got it right this time um you see radagast coming in with bjorn and all the great eagles again this gives you an army list that allows you to play that on the tabletop
1: again, Yeah, i'm going I'm to do that myself because that sounds like a fun army
2: yeah it's, it's basically just eagles radagast bjorn and then there's a name eagle called guafia i think is. I'm going to butcher these names, but I apologize. And again, it goes through army bonuses, strengths, weaknesses. Um, we've got another one for the Halls of Thranduil, which, again, springs the elves into it, updates some of their rules, that sort of stuff. Um, and then we've got two evil ones. So we've got the Dark Powers of Dol which basically face, um, focuses on the Necromancer, uh, Nazgul, Keeper Dungeons, Castellans, and basically all the different types of orcs. Uh, and gives the the army bonus for this one is um whenever necromancer tends to cast a magical power by expending will points he automatically adds a free one to that role which is huge that's massive like your will points are so big in games of middle earth so being able to do one for or get an extra dice for free is is huge yeah. um and then we get um the denizens of my and this is basically just like spiders, bats, fell you know, this sort of stuff. Again, it's the evil stuff that's included in this book that isn't part, directly part of the whole culture. Um And that's it for the army. So then we get into legendary legions. And again, legendary legions, it basically just talks about how you can use them and that sort of stuff, like you can't have allies and stuff. And these legendary legions are basically, they are built around forces from the films and the books so for example you know we've been meme <laughs> out have been chatting and we really like the rise of the necromancer and this one basically mm. gives you it is focusing around that final confrontation between the forces of darkness and the white council right you get the necromancer you get the nazgul the keeper of the dungeons and if you want to you can have some castellans of dolcote but if you take the necromancer All nine ringwraiths and the keeper of the dungeons, that's bang on a thousand points. Which, again, if you're going to a match play event or something along those lines, nice, quick, easy, low model count army. And again, these legendary legions, similar to the actual army lists, they tell you your army composition. They give you additional rules. Again, some of them are some um, things that you have to take. For example, in this legendary legion, Necromancer must always be your army's leader again makes sense right and then you get a bunch of special rules and you get some designers notes as well just to show you you know this is how this army plays it's more than elite but you know x y and z this is how the army plays
1: yeah quite Uh, like those designers notes because it gives you a bit of insight into like how they've designed it as well
2: yeah it's something we don't you know obviously we don't get it in 40k and age sigma age sigma and 40k sometimes they put designers notes in you know the margins of rules and stuff like that but this to me feels like the person who has written this book generally plays the game and has given you some of their experiences which Mm. is great you know if you're jumping into it like us where you don't really play that much Again, it's a nice way to see just how that army plays. And then I
3: remember in um, in older white dwarfs, uh, when codexes used to come out in army books, they used to do the same thing. They used to get the writer and have like an interview with them, talking through the the books and the rules and things like that. That the design sort of process of it, which they don't do nowadays. You're right. Uh, you, I suppose Warhammer Plus is a good sort of outlet for that kind of thing, where they can get codex writers on and things to interview them.
1: Yeah, uh, and arguably Warhammer. Um community i guess is the home of that kind of stuff now as well but
2: yes yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it's good to see in the book though yeah it's good
2: yeah so and then just to finish off the book obviously we get the painting masterclass for the necromancer and obviously the new scenery piece that comes out um the ruins of dougade again we get some uh painting guides on how to paint the stone and the rusty metal and all the trees and stuff like that and, and that's basically the, the end of a book. We can, we get a little bit of a miniature showcase, which is cool. It's nice to see them. But that's basically the book. Um, now, one
1: thought I had, I guess, when I was filming the video. It's quite a slimline book for 30 quid.
2: Yes. Yeah, I, I think it, if you're not interested in the fall of a the necromancer, then, yeah, you're probably not going to pick it up. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Middle Earth, especially, like I said, from a narrative point of view. So for me, looking at this book, I look at it as in the sense that I can play through all of these narrative scenarios with very low model count. And that for me is great. It gives me I feel like I get more value out of this book than I do from the War in the Rohan book, simply because if I want to recreate the scenarios and stuff, I don't have to spend Hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of pounds to do so. I can do so with a reasonable amount of models and stuff. So, yeah, I'd,
1: um, uh, I'd argue this is a good book for learning how to play the game as well. Because, like you say, you've got a range of, you know, it's not all massive army fighting army, some <laughs> of them is like one model each side. And if say you had no say the four of us wanted to start Middle Earth, and we basically split those models between the four of us, you've got an idea of what factions you want to play. But playing through the thirteen scenarios, you can swap what force you use, and you can learn how to play the game. You can build it all up, leading to that big cinematic showdown against essentially a thousand points of um, the Necromancer and friends versus the White Council.
2: Yeah, so. It well the, the price might seem quite high i think it's one of the more reasonable books in the sense that you will get more use out of it than some of the other scenarios um some of the other source books sorry um so yeah for me like i said reading through it and just flicking through the pages i loved it absolutely loved it some of the scenarios again i haven't done them justice on this podcast so i, I definitely recommend you go and check it out on spruceboots.com because going into some of these scenarios some of the scenarios look so much fun like i said there's one where radagast has to go around to several different objectives and one of them has the necromancer in it you don't know which one but as soon as that necromancer emerges you know it's game on there's, there's a there's a time clock kick, ticking down for radagast so yeah i i think going look at freaking through this book i think it's one of the better source books they've done for middle earth
0: excellent stuff yeah that sounds that sounds awesome I, middle earth has always been one of those that I've, I've i've kind of fancied but i don't know if it's a scale of dimensions or something and um, it's always kind of put me off but one thing that, that you guys talking about it it has really fired me up to maybe do it at some point is maybe pick up the fellowship box uh, and paint that see how i get on yeah. um
2: and well then... with the um the fellowship box that's pretty much most of the good forces needed for the uh quest of a ring bearer box um so yeah most of it anyway
0: yeah so that might be what I, my, my kind of route into it potentially at one point in the future Uh thanks obviously to games workshop for uh, for sending us the the source book and also the witch king model as well um i will put a link to andy's review in the podcast notes um so you can check that out at your leisure we're going to keep it middle earth in our next segment as we're going to delve into this week's top three so we are in fact keeping it middle earth with our top three so we're going to be delving through the online catalogue of all the Middle Earth models and picking out our top three favourite ones. Perhaps we're going to see some out-of-production miniatures in here. Perhaps we'll see some of the new plastic ones or rare uh, or year ones. We'll have to wait and see. I uh, will also have the Community Top 3 towards the end of the podcast as well, so it be interesting to see which Middle Earth models you guys picked out. Uh, I'm going to start us off this week with um, with my top three. Um, very tough choice because as much as I've kind of been put off a little bit by the scale that's not to say that i've not been put off by the models because there are some absolutely fantastic models in this range um in particular i think the new plastic ones so my third choice has got to be the new gimli from the free hunters box oh, yeah and um, the new plastic ones are those i just think that just i mean all three miniatures from this box i think are they, they, they—they're true representatives of the of, of of the films. You know how Aragorn's striding forward with his two-handed sword. Um, but in particular, I I really like Gimli. I had to pick Gimli out from this particular box with, with all the axes that he's got, sort of strapped yeah. to him. I remember <laughs> building it, David. You're right. He has a lot of axes. <laughs> so yeah, he he was definitely my uh, definitely my third choice. Uh, my second choice. Um, is a classic model, uh, and if I if I ever did if I ever did feel the Middle Earth bug, I'd play Minas Tirith. And do you know, what one of my favourite Minis Tirith models were, was it was the original Pippin in Gondorian armour. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah. And now I no longer I I don't I, I when I was going through a lot of my old Middle Earth stuff when I was having a bit of a clear out, um, I was desperately trying to find this model and I couldn't find it. And um, if I did then I, I might have hung on to some ministerial stuff maybe. Um but I, I, I think he's brilliant. A really, really cool model. Uh I really like Mary and Pippin, how their stories developed during the, the books and, and also during the films. Um and I, I thought that model really did him justice. I do like the new plastic one. That is cool with his like he's holding his uh, helmet isn't he and he's um there's also a version of him on, on Gandalf's horse as well. But yeah, that original um pippin i think the whole box that that came in i'm trying to think of what it was called um
2: oh it was um something of the west heroes of the west heroes
0: of the West. i think yeah i think all yeah. the models are in that box were were really really good but yeah i really like that original um pippin a bit of an unusual choice um, and he kind of ties nicely into my top choice uh, and my top choice is the brand new gandalf um in particular on horse uh, that came out in plastic which did come with the bonus pippin as well um but yeah an absolutely stunning model Um really enjoyed um building it i was i was thinking it was going to be an absolute nightmare to paint in the end i didn't actually get around to painting it um but yeah an absolutely fantastic is uh, that
3: the one where model. you can put pippin on on him and detach it
0: yeah yeah dead yeah. easy oh, dead yeah. To gloom or anything he just he yeah. just sits on there Um so yeah a, a great model that one um so that's my top three um matt what was what was your top three
1: so coming number three it had to be radagast on his sled pulled by rabbits <laughs> now, yeah. unfortunately you can't buy this on its own anymore you have to buy the kind of radagast collection which is radagast on foot radagast on his sledge and then a kind of sat down radagast who go on the back of an eagle uh, so, for all three of them, 45 is a bit expensive. I kind of wish I'd bought just the, the sled version when I could, but I don't know. It's just an iconic mo- uh, moment from The Hobbit, isn't it? So, yeah, I had to go for that. My second choice, however, is a lot bigger than a rabbit, and it is the Mummock War Leader. So, mm-hmm. this came out a couple of years ago. I think it's one of the first videos we did for Spruce and Brews, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, I think and And, um, yeah, basically, they. they took the old plastic uh, mummock and kind of added extra resin parts to make it look more like the ones from the films. Because obviously the, the Games Workshop team had, were closely tied with Better Workshop when they were designing it. But as we've seen, things change and um, the final look in the film is a little bit different than what we got. So this is this is more true to form with the guy on the top kind of controlling it by using pulleys on the ears and the spikes on the tusks. It's so cool. And, and it's not that much more than the standard plastic one as well for arguably a better looking model. So, yeah, really, really big fan of that. But finally, it can only be one number one, can it? Smaug. <laughs> Smaug himself. It's a big red dragon. I've got a thing for big red dragons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do want this one day. It's um I I'm running out of space for big dragons though, unfortunately. But it's such an ace model. Even down to the fact that the Arkenstone stone is sculpted in his hoard somewhere, and there's a little um bilbo that also stands on, on the base. Yeah, gorgeous model. I think an airbrush jobby to get the uh, best kind of finish on it though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see you pick this guy up and paint him Matt definitely Mm. think you should one day absolutely um andy your top three please sir uh
2: so my third choice is uh a model that i picked up just randomly uh when it came out as a bit of an impulse buy um but is the king of the dead with his heralds um i bought myself the um uh, battle for a field box set which came out a couple of years ago and one of the forces that I wanted to paint up quickly and just, you know, get it ready so that if, you know, a, a tournament or an event or something came up, I could just, you know, go along and play with, with an army of the dead. Nice, quick and easy in the army. But the way the model goes together and the way the model is posed, you know, in the film, there's a bit where the King of the Dead sort of strikes against Aragorn and then finds out he's got um, Andrew, the Flame of the West, and then realises who he is. But it's that pose where he sort of pulls the sword back, and he's like almost screaming at Aragorn, and then he strikes. And they've captured that pose so well in the miniatures. I mean, one of the things, like um, the Gandalf you were talking about, Dave, the Gandalf of White, they, they've captured the character so well in the miniatures, but I'm so glad that they're, you know, they're almost drip-feeding these characters because they're doing such a good job with them um but yeah my, my number three choice my third choice is the king of the dead um my second choice goes back to when i was oh god probably about 11 12 when i was first getting into the hobby because i got into the hobby through um the lord of the rings miniatures game as it was called back then um and one of the units that always stood out to me i thought they were so cool with the guards of the Fountain Court for Minister,
1: oh, yes.
2: And I, I've got a soft spot for sort of like the elite warriors of um, factions, but these guys just look so ornamental and so um cool that it's almost a shame we didn't see more of them in the films. You know, I I almost put down the Citadel Guard because again the the um the current ones, you know, while they are sort of just leaning on the spears. They look very cool. Um, But I went for Gods of court simply because I've got that nostalgic feel to them. And then my first choice, similar to Matt's, it's the Mumma Kill. Just the plain old Mumma Kill. Because when this model came out, there were no big models. The gash wasn't a thing. Archeon towering above you know, my painting stand was not a thing. But this model for its time was absolutely huge and on top of that not only did you get the kill you also got 12 heredrum riding on top of it which again when you you know back when I was getting into the hobby you could buy a box of 24 um Warriors a minister for about 12 pounds so seeing you know you got this big kill you got a box effectively half a box of heredrum and again the Kill still has that imposing look and because of the scale of um, Middle Earth miniatures, it's still got that massive and imposing uh, feel on the tabletop. So for me, my number one choice is is one of those at ah, that. And I don't think it's really, I think it was about 50 quid when it first came out. It's still only 65 and it's mm-hmm. still very reasonable. So, you know, yeah, for, for me, the mumma kill, big, big elephants, you know
0: really paved the way for those big models absolutely uh and that leaves us with um the lord of the rings geek himself jay what is your uh, your top three oh man I, I when i was looking through all these models there's so many
3: models for lord of the rings isn't there mm-hmm. um so i don't know why we haven't invested more in this system because like the quality of, i mean it, it we were talking about infinity at the beginning of the podcast which is a sort of slightly small scale or much more realistic scale than Warhammer and Age of Sigmar, and that's what Lord of the Rings is. It's the same sort of realistic, sort mm. of um, scaling all the limbs and, and that sort of thing. Um, so my um, third model is a model that Matt kindly bought me for Christmas that I've not put together yet or built, and I am waiting, waiting for new dwarfs to come out to accompany him. And that is the King Dane um, Ironfoot model from the King Dane and um, his um, son Thorin the Third Stonehelm. So this was a, a kit he can get off Forge World recently, um, resin. Uh, and it's like an older version of Dane with this, uh, with his big axe. Um, really, really cool. I love the style of the armour. Um, and he, he just looks like badass, really. Uh, and dwarfs, I mean, they've got that phenomenal stat line with a high defence value and good fight value. So I know he's going to be a beast on the table as well.
1: Yeah, this, um, was, this was a really weird one, wasn't it? Because we, we know that supplement's coming, presumably at the end of the year. But this model came out a long time before that supplement.
3: Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's been out. Where well, the COVID's
1: maybe affected the release schedule, maybe.
3: Possibly, yeah, possibly. But I'm looking forward to putting some dwarves around him. I mean, you can get the Iron Hills dwarves. And I do like the Iron Hills dwarves, but they're a very expensive army. Um, I'd like to see just some regular dwarves with axes. I've got a lot of the old, um, um, the Moria the, the Kingdom dwarves. Um, which are you more they were like, I don't know how old they are. They, they were one of the Lord of the Rings um, expansion books that came out mm-hmm. uh, with the Cazard Guard and that sort of thing, but they don't really stand up to the quality of the Lord of the Rings models that come out nowadays, especially like I, I mean, some of my favorite um, units uh, uh, they're not in my top three, but in terms of you know how good the sort of general units are now for Lord of the Rings, the, um, the Wood Elves from the uh, Mirkwood, um, not Mirkwood, sorry, the, the Hobbit film. Um, with Tarrier, the Legolas, they're like the the Wood Elf Scouts. They're really really nice models. Um, my second choice is um an Ent Treebeard, the 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 new version of Treebeard that recently came out with um the two Hobbits as well uh, that you can sort of sit on top of his branches or have them on the base next to him. Um, we were talking about how the Lord of the Rings models, some of them have really captured the sort of actors sort of look. Um, we've talked about Aomer and Aragorn and um, even Denethor and Theoden and things like that well, beard as well, I think just looks really, really cool. It's so, so close to his sort of resemblance in the movie. Um, An army of would be a cool force, I think, because you've got this guy Very
1: cool force.
3: Yeah, and you've got the old ent as well, the, the sort of thinner one. Um, but I think you can make some, a quite cool-looking Ent army with all those. And I think they'd probably be quite easy to convert up with, with different things as well. Might be the Wood Elf speaking in me. <laughs> um, but my final model was, it's a very, very old model, and it's one of my favorite sort of units and models anyway, but it's Glorfindel, uh, the, one, the the Elf Lord. And um, you can get a armored version of him on foot, uh, where he's wearing the same sort of style armor that the Elves the wore in the um, Battle of the Last Alliance, that sort of um, plated gold armor. Um, but the, the model I like of him is, is an earlier version, and it's the um, version where he's just wearing like um, a, a cloak or, um, like over the top of his armor, uh, and you can get him as a mounted version and on foot as well with his sword. Um, and I mean, you look at the quality of the sculpt back then compared to the sculpt, quality of the sculpts nowadays, I think they could probably do a much better job of Golfindel. But he's one of the first sort of Lord of the Rings models I picked up. And I mean, I was a big fan of that character anyway. Um, so to have a model representing him, was I think it's just a nostalgia thing that I've got for that particular model.
0: Yeah, I, I know exactly the one you mean. Um, yeah, it, it'd be Ace. Uh to get a new model for for him
3: um, yeah well he's in the white council as well so that's you know I'm going to be able to use him as well now so that's really really cool I mean you could use him anyway I did use him I think did I use Glawfengel oh it was Elrond I used against you wasn't it Matt
0: in the in the last game we had recently excellent well that wraps up our top three choices um, as we've all said a, a very tough choice of, of which ones to pick um, we do have one final segment of the podcast left it's time to find out the community choices so we'll be right back It is time to wrap up this week's podcast with the Community Top 3 Picks. Over on Facebook, Scott Newman has put these guys, he's got a picture of, I'm guessing it's his own diorama that he's built, um, showing the three hunters, although I think it's a slightly different Legolas sculpt, um, but it looks amazing. If that is your board, Scott, then um, that looks incredible. Uh, Great work. Um, What have we got over on Twitter, Matt?
1: So Anonymous Rex has got uh, their number three choice, Treebeard. Number two, the War And number one, the Witch King on Nazgul. Uh, Mousebait has got uh, Thranduil on Elk, which I love. Uh, The Black Riders, which I also love. The new Witch King, which is amazing. And then uh, Mousebait has got some honourable mentions. Theoden, the new mounted one. And the Troll from the Fields box. Uh, Nevermore has got the new Witch King the King of the Dead, and all of the Dwarves, I guess the entire <laughs> range. Um, Ragnarok, I'm sorry, Ragnarok, says, uh, Gimli from the Three Hunters box, the High Elf Warriors from the Last Alliance, that's an old kit.
3: They were and... an honorable mention for me as well, there was a couple of versions of them, you got the original plastic um, swordsmen and bows, but I really like the metal um, spearmen that you got with mm. the shields as well. So
1: Yeah, they were cool. And then Bilbo, the metal one from the Fellowship of the Ring era. That's a nice model. He's kind of got his waistcoat on. He's got the ring in his hand. Uh, Rick Jones, the keeper of the dungeons, the new one. Uh, Thranduil on Elk and Dane on foot. And then finally, Darren Winter has got the new Witch King, Plastic uh, Aemir and Plastic Theoden.
0: Excellent. Some really good choices there. Lots to choose from. And... um... I hope they continue uh, adding to the Middle Earth range. I think it's its own little system and it. It deserves um, a bit of time in the spotlight. It's been really great uh, listening to sort of Andy talk about the new supplement and, and listening to you guys um, talking about the system. Um, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a really refreshing uh, episode, giving it mm. some some spotlight. Um that leads us, Matt, to ask the big question: What is next week's top three?
1: Well, as we've got Warhammer Day this weekend, it's going to be the top three reveals from Warhammer Day, hasn't it?
0: It has indeed. So you can get your choices in early via our social media uh, or alternatively, you can wait until we put the post up. Probably on the Sunday or Monday asking for your top threes. just pop your reply on there and we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show. So speaking of, I think next week's going to be a pretty good show, guys. I've just got this good feeling.
1: Yeah, I, I think it'll be a good one.
0: Jay, uh, uh, I mean, are you going to be overjoyed if we see this heresy box?
3: Oh, God. Well, I mean, there's so much... I want to see the heresy box. I think loads of people want to see the heresy box, but I really want to see the heresy box. I've got heresy, like, in front of me. I've got, like, loads of different models, uh, tactical marines, tanks, land speeders right in front of me now. But I, I know after watching anything about the horror series on Sunday, I'll just be wanting to get the paint out and put paint on those. But also, all the other systems as well. I don't know. Mm. I mean, we're sort of at the point now where... We've everything that we've sort of seen over the last few months has been released so we need that sort of new feed of new stuff that's coming again
0: um do, and it, do you know what really excites me is um they always they like to kick off a new year with like a big range don't they in it uh, uh, i if, even if we only saw a teeny tiny tiny teaser of what that could be um i'd be really excited Excellent stuff. Right, that brings this episode to a close. We'll be back again next week. Until then, have a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. bye, bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Bruise podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbruise.com, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbruise or head over to facebook.com forward slash and